Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Isn't that great? Oh, man. The sad thing is, sometimes when I lose my cell phone, I go crazy like that, too. Isn't that crazy? Are we embarrassed to say that? Am I... Am I the only one being honest with myself right now? <laughs> uh, so in just a moment, we're going to talk about this whole idea of, of finding the lost and the lost being found. And, it, and, and here's the thing. Everything that's valuable causes us to, to, to want to find what's been lost, right? And, and if, like if I said, stop everything right now, stop, just stop, my wife lost a penny. Hey, you'd be going, really? I got, I got a penny in my wallet. I got a penny in my pocket or something. You'd be willing to give up a penny. But if I said, stop everything, my, my, my wife, you know, my, my granddaughter is missing. That changes the whole game. I would not be standing. Makes me want to cry. I would not be standing here preaching. I would be looking for my granddaughter. I would be, I would abandon this pulpit to find my granddaughter, you know, and, and uh, grandson, uh, and your grandson, or your daughter, or your, whatever it took, because we would, we would shut everything down, we'd go into lockdown, we'd make sure we found uh, your child, because of the value, because of the value, the value is everything to God, the value of your life, the value of my life, the value of every life outside these walls is incredible. So much so that Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save the lost. His purpose, yeah. His purpose is to do just that. So we're going to come back to that thought in just a minute. So hold on to that. But I want to have just a a kind of a family discussion about group leadership or small group leadership. And I want to, whenever we say leadership, whenever we put leader on the end of something, everybody goes, ugh. I don't, want to be, I don't want to be a leader. I'm not a leader. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a doer. I'm a follower. I'm a, I'm a, I, I, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. And, and uh, that's wonderful. But when we talk about small groups and we talk about journey groups that we're going to start in September and we're going to train leaders in, in August, um, when we talk about that, we talk about these types of people. And uh, basically, a, a journey group leader or a small group leader is a facilitator, someone who can facilitate getting together, sharing life together, and, um, and then we will give you or help you find the tools that most interest you in your group to help your group succeed. And so um, you can be a, a, a uh, you can also be a disciple maker. Maybe some of you have a depth of understanding of scripture and what it means to be a disciple that you want to gather people that want to be disciples just like you and you want to share that information. You can be a teacher. You can be an encourager. You don't have to be a teacher or a disciple maker. You can be an encourager. Get people together and just help them, just encourage them in their life. What, what are you doing this week in your life? Oh, good. Well, you're going to be good at that. You know, that's the kind of encourager you can be. You can be hospitable. If you have the gift of hospitality, if you love just gathering people together, throwing out some snacks and some drinks and those kinds of things, and then praying together, sharing life together, that's all it takes to be a journey group leader. And, and uh, the other kind of group, and I think I've mentioned this before, is you can be a hobbyist. 
You can be somebody who has a hobby that you want to just gather people around to share that hobby with. And while you're doing the hobby, you're talking about a, a, a passage of scripture. You're talking about a, a, the way life is going and you're praying for each other and you're sharing. What, what happens in groups is so essential. It doesn't always have to be this in-depth going after the Greek meaning of every word in scripture and all these kinds of things. That intimidates people big time. I get that. That's not what small groups is all about. Small groups is the glue of relationships in, in the church. And if we don't have that glue, then it's easy to come on Sundays and make your faith a one-day-a-week thing. Instead, we want faith and relationship with Jesus to be an every-day-a-week thing. And that doesn't mean your group's going to meet together every day. It just means that when you get together and you share your life with people that's when you grow most. And it's not about pouring out your heart every week and all these kinds of things. It's about sharing life together, getting together, and, um, and being a part of a, a group and having a group stay together. Now, here's the cool thing about what I've learned about groups over the, over the years of ministry. There's always going to be an on-ramp and an off-ramp for group seasons. So there's, we're going to have 10-week seasons and um, you can have a group for six weeks, you can have a group for five weeks, you can have a group for ten weeks. And, and there's always going to be an on-ramp and an off-ramp. So if you get into a group and you're like, oh, I'm not really excited about this group, or that, the subject matter isn't really hitting my, the nerve that I want, or those kinds of things, and, and you say, I don't want to be a part of this group, then there's a way out. There's, a, there's, a, there's an end point. We encourage you to stay in for that period of time, because what might happen is you're like, I'm not sure about this, and then as you go, you grow in a relationship, and then you want to stay there. But we're going to have big three seasons, fall, winter, and spring seasons of groups. And then in the summer, we will have serving groups and activity groups all, all summer long. And that will be a fun time. And so as we encourage people to get involved in groups, we need leaders. We need hosts, facilitators. And we're asking you to go to my journey desk back here, or you can go online and say, I'm interested and then the first three Wednesdays of August, we're going to have a group leader training. And in that, you can discover where exactly you fit in the group ministry. But we believe in groups big time. We believe in discipleship big time. And these are the places where things like uh, discipleship and learning to share and care for each other happen. And I want to encourage you to plug in, get involved. We want 100% participation in groups. And I think you'll enjoy it. I know you'll enjoy it. I believe that God is calling us to not just be a church that gathers on weekends, but we gather during the week. And here's another thing about groups. You get to serve together. And so you don't have to feel like you're on your own and serving the community. Every group is going to serve. In order to be a group at Journey Church Ventura, you have to have a serving component in your group. So we're going to have, hopefully, 10 to 12 groups starting this fall, and there will be 10 to 12 serving opportunities that are happening in our community. We want to be the kind of church that the community misses us if we were not here. And the only way to become that is when everybody is serving. In fact, on August the 29th, here's a cool thing, and you can start preparing for this, is August 29th, we are not going to have church as normal on that Sunday. We are all going to go out and serve. We're going to meet here at 10 o'clock. We're going to pray. 
And then we're going to gather in groups, depending on the project that you want to be a part of, and we're all going to go out and serve. We're not going to have church that day. Church is going to be us going into the community and serving our community. And we, have, we will have all kinds of different projects to choose from and be a part of. We'll let you know what they are ahead of time so you can come prepared with tools or whatever is needed. And we're going to have a great day. We're going to take a Sunday uh, and just go and serve our community. And that's kind of the start of what it feels like to be a church that serves no matter what we, no matter on a Sunday or a Saturday or whenever it is, we're going to make a difference in our community. Does that sound good? All right. So here's what I need you to do right now. This is the action point is go out into the lobby, go to my journey desk. And right there, there's a form online that you can fill out just saying, I'm interested in being a small group leader, a journey group leader. And, um, and that doesn't commit you necessarily this moment, but it, get, it gets you in the door so that you can discover what part of a group you want to be involved in. Does that make sense? All right, so we want as many people as we can to be leaders of groups. This series, the summer stories that we're doing, going through the parables of Jesus, talking about the, the perspective, the big thought for the series is simply this. Jesus desired to paint a picture of the way heaven works by telling parables. It's our role to have tender hearts, open eyes, and listening ears to understand what Jesus wants us to know about how heaven works while we live on this earth. And so the beauty of, of uh the parables are simply that they are here to help us understand from heaven's perspective how life should be lived. The things that we've talked about already is the parable of the soil. The, the, the idea that uh, what, what God is looking for is hearts that are open and, and soft and ready to receive seed, the word of God, into our hearts. And when our hearts are soft, then the seed of God's word can grow and take root so that it doesn't get stolen away by the enemy, so that it doesn't get distracted by the world. It, it, it's, it's something that, that takes deep root. And then when uh, we want to grow and produce fruit, we can. And the, the plant or the word of God that ends up in our heart ends up uh, bearing fruit. And then the other parable that we talked about last week was the unmerciful servant or the magnificent grace of God. The mercy of God, the extravagant grace, forgiveness, setting ourselves free and the people that have offended us free by forgiving them. And when we do that, we, we do it in light of the, the forgiveness we've already received. God has forgiven us of so much. Why would we not forgive others? Amen? And so let's not forget that. So the big question this week is what does lost mean? What does being lost mean? What does being found mean? mean why should we stop everything to find what has been lost and i think that i think it's a kind of a dust statement when we think about the idea of a child being lost or or something of great value being lost if i said you know my wife's wedding ring which is a 14 karat gold uh uh you know 10 karat diamond it's not that but um it's like maybe an eighth of a carat or something like that <clears throat> But if, her, if her, you know, if, if a child got lost, here's what would happen. They would run, come running in and saying a child is missing, and we would say, stop everything. 
And we would, for that moment, stop everything and we would do everything. We'd spread out, we'd go through the entire building, we'd open every door, we'd, we'd look in every nook and cranny, we'd look under the chairs, we'd look under the tablecloths in the back, we'd go everywhere to try and find the child that's missing. This is the very heart of God. This is the nature of understanding the way heaven looks at, at earth. And when, when God is looking at us and looking at the people on this planet, he is doing everything he can to reach the lost. And let's put it in the parable's perspective. So the big thought today is the value of the lost determines the need to stop everything and find what has been lost. Everyone deserves to be found. Okay, two amens. Come on, we, we have to be a church that this impacts deeply. Amen. We have to be a church. I'm, I'm not, I, I don't know how to say this more strongly than if, if we don't weep over people who are lost, we are missing God's heart. And we have to be that church. It can't just be your pastor. It can't be Leanna. It can't be our band. It can't, be, it can't just be a few people. It has to be a culture of passion for people who don't know Jesus. <clears throat> Luke 19, say, 10 says, and Jesus said of his purpose on this planet, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. This is a very passionate statement that simply says that there is not a person that Jesus isn't willing to wait just a little bit longer to see if they will accept him as their Lord and Savior. To give them another opportunity to hear the gospel. To put you or me in their path so that somehow, some way, they would experience the grace of God. We have a term here at Journey Church Ventura that we bring the have-yets to Jesus. Our mission statement is that we, we exist to enter into the journeys of those who have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness. The have-yets are the people. They're not, they're not the people that we've written off. If, if you lost something, depending on its value, you may write it off. Right? You may say, oh, it's just a penny, it doesn't really matter. It's just, it's, it's one cent. Who, who cares? But if you lost 200, 300, 400, $1,000, depending on how your perspective of that value is, you'd be going, I got to find that money. I remember one time we lost a, we have an emergency cash at home, and just in case we needed cash, and we, we put it in, in, uh, in, a, in a safe place, but somehow it got bumped and, and went down behind something that we never move. And we thought we lost it. We looked everywhere for this money. We looked everywhere. And finally, one time we were cleaning out all these drawers. And I looked behind this drawer, and behind this drawer, just stacked in the, 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 up against the back wall of the, the cabinet, was this, this uh, uh, baggie of money. And, uh, and we were like, and we found it. And I said, Karen, we found it. We felt so bad that we had lost it. And then uh, we found it. And, and um, it, was, it was a great moment. At least it was for me. 
The Lord is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish. Jesus doesn't want anyone to perish. He does not want you, your family member, the people outside these walls to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. And so in Luke 15, we find this parable. Again, parables are heaven's perspective on the way life should be lived. And it says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. I always love that statement. The tax collectors and sinners. And um, this is just you and me. (laughs) We are gathering around Jesus, right? Okay, and then there's these other people that we don't want to identify with. And I hope you don't want to identify with. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I don't want to be a Pharisee or a teacher of the law. I'm a teacher, but I'm not a teacher of the law. I'm a teacher of who Jesus is and his grace that is, that is extended to us. And I'm a participant in that grace. And shame on me if I ever become a teacher of the law or a Pharisee. And they are muttering, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Ah. Oh. How terrible that people who need Jesus are meeting with Jesus. That's awful. Tax collectors are lost people. Let's not forget that. Sinners, people who are separated from God. That's just the simple definition of a sinner. There's no weird, strange Greek meaning here. It's just people that don't have a relationship with God yet. But they're the ones attracted to Jesus. And they're gathering. He welcomes them. It's awesome to see what can happen when Jesus is the focus of things. People want to be in that room. People want to be in that place. We can never make our church about us. We need to make it about Jesus. And when we do, and when we represent him well to this world, then people are like, I want to be a part of that. When you're a part of a law or a a legalistic, or a ritualistic, or something like that, not so much. But when you you bring Jesus into the picture, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And people want to be around Jesus and Jesus' people. Jesus is responding to this criticism. This parable that we're about to read is his response to these teachers of the law and these Pharisees. And he, he tells them why Sinners and tax collectors are gathering around him. Why? He's okay with it. Why? It's part of his mission, his passion, his desire to do nothing more than hang around tax collectors and sinners. Now, one, one of the people that we, we don't want to be identified by the, the, the Pharisees and the tax collectors. We don't want to be. They, they, these people tend, these are the, the found people, which I'm a found person. If you're a found person, raise your hand just for a moment, not to embarrass anybody that's not found. But um, if, if you're a found person, I hope you don't end up in this category, but many found people who are already in, we have to be careful that we tend to be religiously motivated. We tend to look at people by what they do, not what's not their heart. We tend to... Uh, the people that are already found tend to critique and consume rather than participate. Found people tend to give based on gain rather than sacrifice for cause. These were all characteristics of the Pharisees 
and the teachers of the law. They, they were uh, religiously motivated. They had lots of rules and regulations and they did everything they could to follow them. They were critiques, they were uh, critics, and they were consumers rather than participants. And uh, they gave based on gain and status rather than sacrifice for the cause. And they lost sight of the beauty of their relationship with Jesus. Found people should always keep in their perspective the grace that's been given us and the joy of that salvation that we received. And I hope that's the case for you. So then he tells this parable. He says, Jesus told him this parable, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep and, until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. What a great story. Now put this in context. He's, he's speaking to a group of people that's criticizing him for giving lost people attention. But he says this. He says, listen, you guys don't need to be given all the attention that you think you need to be given. Life isn't about you. You've been found. You already have a relationship. And he's actually almost suggesting that the, tax, the, 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 the teachers of the law and the Pharisees should have a relationship with God. Later on, he calls them whitewashed sepulchers. He calls them all kinds of interesting names. But in this case, he's saying, you guys are found. I'm looking for lost people, not found people. And the found people should have compassion for the lost. We should be a group of people that are always concerned about those that don't have Jesus in their lives. Why? Because they will perish if they are not found. And so Jesus is simply saying, if you lose a sheep, one out of a hundred, that one person, that one sheep is so valuable that you would leave the 99 that are safe and are taken care of and that are well cared for and you're going to leave them and go and find the one. Why? Not because it's just a dumb sheep, but because of the value of the sheep. The value of that person, the value of the lost individual. And now we need to be found. Now we need to have someone come and find us and wrap us up. I, I think of the story, uh, my story, and how many people in my life it took to find, help me find Jesus. Or help, yeah, help me discover Jesus. And, and there's so many different things. I mean, I, I, I kind of wonder if God was like, okay, how many people do we have to put in his path before he realizes that he belongs in this sheep pen. And I hope that you think of that story in your own life. What did it take to get found? What did it take? I mean, God probably in your life said, stop everything. Stop everything. Let's find him. I don't care about the cost. I don't care about the resources. I don't care. It's, it's really funny in that video to watch this, these, these lifeguards. All of a sudden, all of their attention. There are thousands of people on that beach. And they are looking for one child. There's thousands of people on that beach in the water. And they are looking for one child. 
That guy up in the, in the, in, in the tower with his uh, uh, binoculars on going, oh, where, where is she? Where is she? Where is she? And then he says, I got her. I got her. How beautiful is that to know that God is doing the very same thing for people around you and me. We have to look at ourselves as missionaries realizing that we are in the story of someone's life and we are standing there going, God has is, is put me here to be a testimony to someone so that they can be found. You're a missionary wherever you are. You're wherever, whoever you're relating to right now that does not know Jesus, it's your mission to help that pers- find, person find Jesus. Because Jesus is doing a stop everything with your life. He'll put you, he'll, he'll inconvenience you, if you will, so that that one person can find Jesus. Stop everything. It's value. The shepherd didn't want to lose. I, I think most business people would be okay with losing 1% of their, their, their flock. Most people go, that's just 1%. That's okay. We can do without that. But that's not the way God views every individual on our planet. He wants everyone to be saved. The beautiful thing at the end of this is he he calls his friends. He calls his friends. This was, I mean, it probably didn't do this in Bible days. He probably did, hey! I found my sheep! I've been looking for him! He's broken. He's lost. He's scared. But I found him. He's on my shoulders. I'm carrying him back. What a beautiful picture of God's love and his grace. That was a story for the guys. The gals get another story. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light the lamp? Sweep the house and, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Why is this so significant? Well, this, this probably young lady lost her dowry. And, and, and in some cases, they would have uh, headdresses that would have these ten coins that said they were married. Kind of like a wedding ring. And these 10 coins were, were the value of that relationship or represented the value of that relationship. And she lost one. It'd be like losing a diamond out of your ring if you had 10 diamonds or one diamond. It wouldn't matter. You'd look everywhere for it. One coin. You could say it's only 10% of, she has nine more. Come on. Why worry about the coin? You have nine more. No, it, it, it's not complete. The truth is we are not complete. As long as there are people out there that don't know Jesus. The body isn't complete. The, the family of God isn't complete. Family members are out there. And I'm not talking literal biological families. I'm talking about brothers and sisters who need Jesus are out there that belong here. 
That's what I love about this whole concept of lost is if you're lost, it simply means you're not where you belong. That every lost person has a place. Every lost person belongs. Every lost person has a, 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 a place in the body of Christ, in the family of God. And if we're lost, then that simply means that we are out of place. We have a place to belong. And if you aren't belonging today, if you're feeling like you're lost, if you're feeling like, man, I don't know what, 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 where I belong, it's, it's here. It's in the family of God. It's in a relationship with Jesus. And when you're in that, you found your place. And Jesus is looking for you. Jesus is, he sent us now in his stead to seek and to save the lost. He sent us to do everything we can to find the lost person. I'm convinced that every relationship I have with people who don't know Jesus, I am the missionary to that person. And when we see ourselves that way, we begin to look as heaven looks at the at the planet. When Jesus came from heaven to earth, he came because of the lost. I came to seek and to save the lost. We're lost sheep. We're a lost coin. However you want to look at it, it's important that we understand that we, uh, when we were lost, we were out of place. When we've been found, we are where we belong. Every person in this room belongs it's another value of groups is that groups help us belong and, and be a part of something, not just big, but small as well, meaningful and powerful. When we're found, we're in right relationship with God. We're back where we belong. We have our relationships are healthy between us and God and hopefully us and each other. And something of value has been found. And I can't overstate how important it is that we all recognize our value. And more importantly, the value of each person that does not know Jesus Christ. That's why God wants us to spend our time, our money, our talent, our energy on, on doing anything that contributes to the cause of Christ. Anything that contributes to the cause of Christ. Anything that contributes to helping people be, become found who are lost. Anything that, that can help people understand the love and compassion of Jesus. In our case, in our mission, anybody who has yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness. Because those have yets are why we exist. We don't exist for ourselves. I don't want to become a teacher of the law or a Pharisee that says, hey, what about me? Why are you hanging out with those people? Why aren't you hanging out with me? Why aren't you giving me more attention? Why aren't you giving me more energy? Why aren't you taking all your time and energy to talk? Jesus is saying, hey, hold on. You've been found. Let's work together to go find others. And Jesus was very clear. I'm here to find lost people because they are valuable, because they are important, because they're significant. And first... Let's celebrate the fact that we've been found. But most importantly, let's take that, that, that value and go out and find other people of the same value and reach them for the sake of Christ. Amen? Amen. Do you remember what God did to bring you, to find you? Do you remember the people he placed in your life to help you? Do you remember when... Um, 
he, he, he brought people into your story and all of a sudden it's like, okay, Jesus, I, I'm starting to understand that you want me to believe in you because everybody I talk to wants to talk about it. I remember the people that just kept falling in place in my life and I'm like, oh yeah, that's not good. That, I'm convinced now looking back, there was no coincidence that the Dabneys were in my life, that, that the... the um, the Krugers were in my life, that the Huffs were in my life, that all these people were in my life because God was, I was so valuable that God would do anything to put people in my life that would help me come to know him. He did the same for you. We need to be the same for this planet and this community. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. for seeking us out. Thank you so much for seeking and saving our lives. Thank you for finding us. Thank you for making yourself known to us so that we could come and be found people, not just lost people. And I realize there may be somebody in this room that is, is now realizing, that God, that you have been seeking them out, that you've been going to them in, in, in a loving and compassionate way and telling them in every way possible that you love them, that you care for them, that you want to bring them home into the family of God that are, are lost, even in this room, that you would help them to know that they have now been found, that they have an opportunity to accept your love and grace and open their hearts to your salvation and that you will bring them to a place where they belong. I pray for all of us that we would never lose our reason for celebrating, like Leanna said earlier, that we would always remember the value that you placed on our lives, so much so that you put people in our, our path, you put messages in our path to help us understand that you love us and care for us, and that you want to take us home. Father God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you help us to never forget the value you placed on our lives and help us to never forget the value that you're placed that you've placed on all the lives that are outside these walls a year from now two years from now three years from now may this place represent your heart for seeking and saving the lost may we see our baptismal full may we see our church building full may we see groups full may we see discipleship happening at a level that we could never imagine May we see hearts changed. May we see marriages mended and healed because, Lord, people found you and you found them. I pray your blessing on every heart right now in Jesus' name. We celebrate the fact that we're found. But, Lord, help us to never become a Pharisee. Help us to never become a teacher of the law that wants it to be more about us than those that need you. I pray that in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now's the opportunity to realize you've been found. That God has done everything he could to bring you to this online experience. Maybe you're online. Maybe you're here on site and you walked in this building today to realize that Jesus loves you so much and he wants you to accept his love and grace. All you have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you were raised from the dead.
And the Bible says you will be found. You will be saved. So will you pray this prayer after me? If you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now, all you need to do is pray this prayer. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. Just say simply, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I accept your forgiveness based on the work you did on the cross. That my sins are forgiven, I accept that. And I receive your love and grace in my life. And I believe that you were raised from the dead, which promises me eternal life, and I will spend eternity with you. And Jesus, I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.